Joining me right now is American entrepreneur, television producer, ultimately known for being the executive producer and president of World Championship Wrestling, a guy who can honestly say he's gone toe-to-toe with wrestling tycoon Vince McMahon and kicked his ass at his own game for 83 weeks. Welcome, deep breath, Eric Bischoff. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. One of the biggest wrestling podcasts out today, 83 weeks. It's coming down under for the first time, almost 10 years since you've been in Australia. I think the last time you were here was for the Hulkamania tour. Uh, what can the punters expect with the no brag, just facts tour? Well, you know what's interesting? You know, people always ask me, you know, what, what is a, a, a 83 weeks live show like? And it's a, it's a unique experience. And I, it's, I, I tell people... You could probably break it into two categories. I think it's it's one half of it is almost comedy because of the nature of, of, of what wrestling is. There's a lot of funny stories, you know, things that happen backstage and, you know, things that we won't even talk about on the podcast for a couple of reasons. So there's a lot of storytelling, um, a lot of factual things that we discuss. So I would say it's like half comedy and almost half educational in the sense that, you know, my podcast tends to be more about the business of the wrestling business. So we get into a lot of detail about the wrestling industry and all of the things that were going on, you know, during the Monday Night Wars that in most cases, you know, you can't learn or hear anywhere else because while there's a lot of, you know, people out there with, with great podcasts, uh, very few of them, if any, have kind of the firsthand experience on the business side of things that I did. So it's a combination of storytelling, comedy, lighthearted comedy and fun, uh, and, and I guess education would be the best way to say it, but it's all very interactive, because it's the format and the, the tone of the show is oftentimes determined by the audience, the types of questions they ask, how much um, interaction they're willing to have or want to have. For example, I'll bring people up on stage, and they will be my co-hosts, and we'll break down a pay-per-view. We'll talk about a very specific pay-per-view. And I'll let them kind of grill me uh, or challenge me much the way Conrad Thompson does on the podcast. And depending on, you know, how, how comfortable the audience is or, or somebody isn't doing that with me, it can be a hell of a lot of fun. And like I said, very lighthearted and very funny. But you walk away, you'll, you'll hear stories you've never heard before, and you'll, you'll know more about the professional wrestling business than, than you did before you came to the show. Now, you mentioned Conrad uh, Thompson there. Um, I believe some people have said he could uh, have a brilliant wrestling podcast with a broomstick. Uh, you, you alluded uh, to it there that he uh, he busts your balls from time to time. What's that like? I mean, did Conrad approach you after the success of uh, something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard and say, hey, man, let's get a podcast together, talk about the WCW days? Because I know personally as a wrestling fan, I mean, I initially started off as a WCW guy uh, and hearing all the backstory and I guess what you specialize in, the business side of things, it is rather interesting. How did that all come about? Uh, yes, Conrad did reach out to me. Uh and suggested that we do the show. I was reluctant to do it, quite honestly, because I, you know, look, the Monday Night Wars, that period of time between about 1994 and 2000, really changed the wrestling industry forever, and in a very positive way. We, we, we meaning WCW and myself, introduced entirely new elements that had never been done before, we innovated many things in our format that the WWF wasn't doing. 
we created more reality-based characters as opposed to the kind of cartoonish animated characters that the WWF was known for, you know, prior to the Monday Night Wars. And, you know, we, we, we talk a, a lot about that kind of stuff. We've been talking about it for about 20 years. And when Conrad reached out to me and said, hey, you know, here's what I think we should do. We should really talk about the Monday Night Wars and break each pay-per-view down and break down Nitro and break down Monday Night Raw. My first response was Conrad. You know, people have been talking about the Monday Night Wars for over 20 years. There's been books written about it. There's been DVDs produced. There's been, you know, more hours of interviews and content produced over the past 20 years talking about it. I didn't think the audience was really interested anymore. And I was wrong. You know, Conrad was right. And a lot of it has to do with the way Conrad, you know, he does a lot of research. We get into very granular topics. And surprisingly enough to me, at least, Conrad wasn't surprised, but I was, there is a huge appetite. Because I think people recognize, either consciously or subconsciously, that the Monday Night War era that we're, we're really talking about in our podcast was the most significant era in professional wrestling and probably... 30 or 40 years and people still remember it and they remember it fondly and they like to, to, to hear about it and they like to hear stories and details that they've never heard before and that's what we provide on our podcast and like I said Conrad was, he, was, he was correct um, I was a little nervous about it yeah, but I took a chance because Conrad was being so successful uh, in his other podcast with Bruce that I thought you know what I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to follow somebody else's lead for a change and, and see how it goes and I'm really grateful that I did do you think a, a big part of the success is as well? I mean, obviously, if you're on the WWE Network, you can you know watch the little documentaries they've made about the Monday Night Wars, but it, it does come from a very the winner's story as opposed to, I guess, the loser story. Yeah, it's a very jaded, very cynical uh, look. The WWF and everything that they do, WWE, they brand their product, they brand their company, and in the process of doing that, they also rewrite a lot of history. There's a lot of things that I heard over the years, you know, from the WWE about the Monday Night Wars. It was just factually incorrect or misleading, at least. And now to have the opportunity to have a platform and and share the other side of the story uh, it is, I think, a very interesting dynamic and it's something that I appreciate very much. Just a, a quick one, a, a little bit of an Australian connection with yourself, Eric. I believe you have a, an Australian dog breed. I do indeed. My dog, Nikki, a female Australian cattle dog. Uh, this is my second Australian cattle dog. I absolutely love the breed and have read a lot about them and, and have done a lot of research on them. And I, I think they're one of the best breeds. I've had a lot of really great dogs in my life. Um, very, very great dogs. But I've never owned a dog as smart and such a great companion and as tough as an Australian cattle dog. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of Australian cattle dogs, or, or blue healers as they call them here. Yes, um, the good old blue healers. Now, to say, one of the biggest acquisitions that you made, bringing Hulk Hogan to WCW and then the creation of Monday Night Nitro, obviously the podcast very much about the Monday Night Wars. Did you know when those two things, I guess, fell into place that this was going to be a war between WWF at the time and WCW? Not really. The you know I brought Hulk Hogan in around 1994. Uh, we didn't know... We, I would have never imagined that 
Ted Turner would have asked me to produce a show in prime time to go head-to-head with, with Monday Night Raw and the WWE. So I, I knew bringing Hulk in would improve WCW's business. I knew that it would improve our profile amongst wrestling fans and, and within the industry, within the business of the wrestling business. But we were so, uh, we were a distant number two, a very, very, very distant number two. And I, I, I wasn't, um, I didn't convince myself that bringing Hulk Hogan in by himself was going to change that. And I wasn't trying to change that. I was trying to improve our position mm. in the market, but I certainly didn't have any aspirations of, of becoming number one. It wasn't until Nitro happened a year, a year and a half later, that I thought to myself, well, maybe there's a possibility. Because now we're on a level playing field. Prior to Nitro, you know, WCW was on a Saturday night at 6 p.m., which is a horrible time in tel- for television in the United States. Nobody's watching television on a Saturday afternoon. And, and WWF at the time was in prime time, you know, 8 o'clock on a Monday night. And there was no way we could possibly be, be competitive in that scenario. But when Nitro came along and we were head-to-head, that's when it first occurred to me that even when we first started, I knew it was a very remote possibility we could possibly catch up and be competitive, but I knew that there was one. And, and as time went on, we became more and more and more successful. And about six or eight months after we launched Nitro, that's when I started really thinking, okay, now there's actually a chance we can become number one, and eventually we did. The likes of uh, the rise of AEW and the independent wrestling scene. I mean, last time I spoke to uh, Bruce Pritchard, I um, asked him if uh, he was working or in any sort of fashion with WWE. He was very coy with me at the time, obviously, and now obviously he's a producer or he's back at the big house, so to speak, with the guys there. Is there is there a desire for yourself to kind of consult or produce or be a fly on the wall with the guys at AEW, obviously given the connection uh, that I'm guessing that you would have with Cody Rhodes, uh, obviously being the son of Dusty Rhodes? Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest with myself and, and my, my, my feelings about this change probably three or four times a day, um, there, there's obviously parts of me that would love to be involved because there's aspects of the wrestling industry that I miss very much. I miss the creative side of, of the process. <clears throat> I, I miss directing young talent and, and helping young talent kind of discover their their voice, so to speak, and become better and more efficient on on in terms of their might skills and, and developing that part of their character. That's something that I, you know, I would do that for free. You know, I miss it that much. But then there's the other, the practical side of things. You know, the travel that's involved uh, is probably the one thing that would prevent me from from getting too involved at this point in my life. I've, I've, I've been there. I've done that. I've got probably millions and millions and millions of miles under my belt. <laughs> and not sure that I, I want to add too many more. <laughs> so there's, there's different, you know, it's any given day. Like I said, my, my feelings about it probably change a couple times a day. Now back to the 83 Weeks Australian Tour. It's obviously three dates. Uh, June 21st, Sydney at the Factory Theatre. June 22nd, Brisbane, the uh, Foundry. June 23rd, Melbourne, the Thornby Theatre. Now that's uh, a pretty tight schedule. Um, obviously, I'm not sure if you'll be on a tight schedule like Bruce was. Do you have a bit more time to potentially check out the independent wrestling scene or just some of the great sites that Australia has to offer? 
I've tried to give myself a little bit of time on the front and back end to uh, just have some personal time because I do love Australia. Um, I've been there several times now. The most recent time, as you said, was, was with the uh, Hulkamania tour. But I've been there with WWE a couple times, too. And I, I just enjoy the people. I enjoy the culture. I enjoy the scenery. Uh, and I've, I've got a couple days on, on the front end, or I've got a day on the front end and a day extra on the back end. But I doubt that I'll be checking out any uh, independent wrestling while I'm there. I, just, I really won't have the time to do that. I've got some fast questions here for you, Eric. Has uh, Steve Austin or X-Pac, um, Sean Morton, have they ever called you up and given you a big personal thank you for firing them? As a matter of fact, yes. About three years ago, I did uh, Steve Austin's podcast. And we actually did two podcasts together, uh, back-to-back. And we really got, you know, we dug deep into our relationship and what happened and why it happened and all of that. And Steve will be the first one to tell you. And if, you know, people are interested, they can probably go back and, you know, do into the archives of Steve's podcast and, and find it. But we talked in depth about it. And, you know, he's very grateful. Uh, he wouldn't have found his voice. You know, a few moments ago I was talking about, you know, me trying to help young talent find their character and find their voice. <laughs> And, and learn how to be a big character. Steve Austin admitted that he would have never found his character had he not been forced to recreate it outside of WCW. And yeah, he he, he did that. And so did and so did Sean Waltman on numerous occasions. Sean and I are very good friends, and it's, as is Steve and I. Uh, Steve and I are pretty tight. But we, yeah, we talk about you know, every once in a while. We'll have a couple pints and and reflect back, and that always seems to come up. After about the fourth beer, it always comes up. <laughs> Only the fourth beer, not the second or third? No, we don't. It takes at least four, and then we get there. <laughs> now, if there ever is to be a movie uh, produced by Hollywood about the Monday Night Wars or even just WCW, who plays Eric Bischoff? Wow. I've got a suggestion. I don't know. I'd have to say. Oh, yeah, well, you would say, tell me your suggestion first. Uh, you, might, you might not like it. Rob Lowe. I was going to say the Rob Lowe or Tom Cruise. <laughs> I, 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 I could imagine Tom Cruise. I, I really feel Tom Cruise would get into the character as well. Yeah, I just, I just hurt myself, you know, patting myself on the back and putting myself over. I, I think I tore a ligament in my shoulder. <laughs> now, is your next present that you're going to get for Conrad Thompson, is it a Prince Iakea t-shirt? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that for Christmas. In fact, I'm going to find Prince Iakea and fly him into Huntsville you know, for, for Conrad's birthday and have him sing happy birthday to Conrad. I think that would be appropriate. That would be very amazing. And uh, final question, any chance that uh, you may start a herbal tea line? No, but I'll tell you what, you know, I've got my favorite, so there's no reason for me to try to start one. I've, I've, got a, I've got a great herbal tea here that I... Actually, because I, I talk about them so much on my podcast, and they're not even sponsors. <laughs> I, but I just love the product. I talk about them so much. They send me like giant boxfuls of this stuff. I've got enough tea for probably the next two generations. Eric Bischoff, the former WCW president and executive producer, he's coming down under with the 83 weeks tour. No brag, just facts tour. It's going to be amazing. I've got my VIP ticket ready to uh, check it all out and say hello. Hopefully we can have a beer when you're down here, Eric. Well, not hopefully. We will. It's mandatory. But also, let everybody know, you know, I'm going to be auditioning for the Australian version of Conrad Thompson. So everybody come on out, you know, do your homework, do your research, come there ready to, to uh, get up on stage with me, and, and, and let's see what you've got. It's a challenge. I'm putting it out there right now. 
Eric Bischoff, thank you so much. This is a dream come true. Um, I'm going to stop the professionalism now and mark out, so to speak. I'm a massive fan, and I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat to me. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a great opportunity, and I look forward to having that here with you, buddy. Oh.